The following audio is from our sermon series titled, The Whole Story, Genesis to Revelation. For more information about Harvest City Church, please visit our website at harvest.city. Good morning, how are we doing? Good? You sure? I'm great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for asking. I appreciate that. It's lonely up here sometimes. Thank you for asking. Thank you. Well, Harvest City, uh, it is the last sermon, tell me if I'm wrong, of this series about the whole story. We are landing a plane today, and it's an exciting, fun opportunity for me to do that, and I'm looking forward to what God will do among us. Um, But crazy, right? Whole year, so fast went by, but God's done so much work, I think, in our church life since the beginning of it, and we're thankful for what God has done. And um, for our elders and pastors being so faithful to teach the word of God throughout the whole year. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, really appreciate that. So this morning we're going to be in James chapter 4. As we think about uh, ending this sermon series and ending this year, right? Like we're going to just kind of go into the next year, Lord willing, um, with a really sober and clear mind and a really sober and clear heart. So we're going to read James chapter 4. Uh, verses 13 through 17. In a moment, I'll give you the big idea as we read that, and then we'll jump, chop it up verse by verse and get you out of here um, rather quickly. So let's read together James chapter 4, starting at verse 10, and it says this, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. The big point this morning is we are at the mercy of God and are dependent upon him at all times. That is the big thought this morning. We are at the mercy of God and dependent on him at all times. If you would, let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for um, your word. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit who, who, who meets us and dwells among us and in us, who helps us to see the world and life clearly. And this morning, I pray, Father, you would help us to see life crystal clear. Um, and we will be humbled, Father, yet confident in who you are, confident in your wisdom, your might, your plan, your glory, not our own. Father, I pray this morning your word would bring freedom to us, it would bring joy, but also, God, it would bring deep contemplation of, hey, what am I doing with my life? Am I wasting the life God's given? And are we trying to play God with the life you've given us? So, Father, help us to see ourselves clearly this morning. And again, God, I pray you would just bring freedom to us in a really, really deep way. And God, I pray you bless our years coming up according to your will in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Everybody said? Everybody said? All right, here we go. Verse 13 says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make money. These people have a plan. Got a big plan, right? And James is going to address their plan in a moment. He's saying that, so they're saying, listen, like, in this text, there are rich people who are in the church, and they're saying, listen, we're going to keep making money. We're going to keep, like, hustling, doing business, like we're going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And their plan is, hey, we're going to go to this place or that place. We'll trade, we'll bargain, we'll do our thing, and we'll make tons of money and make a profit, and we'll all be happy. That's our game plan for tomorrow. We have a plan to keep thriving in life, to keep 
be a blessing to keep our life happy and full of what we want based on our controls, what they're thinking. The issue with tomorrow is, is that like them, you and I have a will, have a plan, right? Um, we have things that we think about, things we want to accomplish, not all terrible, you know what I mean? Um, but we have a trajectory for life, which is, can be a good thing sometimes. But the issue is sometimes we can confuse our will for God's will. We can assume our plan is God's plan. We can assume that our uh, ideas are God's ideas for our life. And James is telling them, hold on, wait a minute, like, you don't know about tomorrow. So just take a minute, take a deep breath, and slow down. So verse 14, and before we do that, right, so we all have plans, right? And typically, um, I think my plan is always amazing, right? My plan is always perfect. It's always fun. I always win. My plan is always great. Every single day, every single time, my plan is the way to go. It is awesome. Like, hey, you want to do my plan. We all feel that way, don't we? Start learning my life. When it comes to planning, our plan always seems amazing. But looking at God's will, it's always anointed. Our plan seems amazing. But God's plans always anointed. Here's what I mean by that. You know you're in God's plan and God's will when the biggest thing happening in your life, your soul, no matter what you're doing, you look more like Jesus. When you're, when you're being humbled in life and like the Holy Spirit within you is like being emboldened inside of you, then, then you know you're in God's will. You're in God's plan. If you just like are just happy and prosperous and like, it's like if you, you just keep getting all you want, and, but you become more selfish, more anxious, more hurried, more, more pressure, you, you, you become less present, you're probably not doing God's plan for your life. Or somehow you've taken God's plan like you've made it your plan in some way. But God's plan's always anointed, which means it's always affirmed by the Holy Spirit. And I think we all have moments where we know clearly, hey, the Lord is telling me to do this loud and clear. And we can say and can see what those moments are. So our plans will seem amazing all the time. Like, we had to say God's plans are always going to be anointed, full of his presence and his wisdom, and more so full of making us look more like Jesus every single day. And these people are not looking like Jesus at all, because they want to just, they want to just, be better, bigger, more prominent, more important, more prosperous. They, they're not thinking about their Christian witness. It's all about them consuming, 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 and giving them an easier life. And that's not God's will and God's plan for us. This is verse number 14. Let's look at it together. Yeah, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Going through TSA, uh, this is like, man, eight years ago maybe, um, we were taking a group of kids to New York from our church for a mission trip, um, and my, my buddy, my friend Brandon was on staff with us at the time, and um, Brandon was a thousand percent sure he's going to go through TSA with a knife. He knew like, at, no, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, this, it's only this many fingers long, like, he was, he was confident. He had it. His wife was like, no, you're an idiot. It's not going to happen. He's like, no, I'm going through TSA. They're going to let me go with my knife. And like, he, he just knew. He just knew I'm going to New York with my pocket knife. Get to the airport. 
And as we all guess and assume, right, puts the knife in his book bag, goes through the, the whatever, the security x-ray machine thing, you know, right, goes through there. What do you call that? This x-ray security machine thing? All right, perfect. There we go. Um, and so it goes through there, right? And they see this knife. Like, hey, sir, come here. to your bag. And he pulls the knife out of his bag and say, hey, you cannot go through here with this knife. Of course, he is furious, right? Because why? He had a plan. So he has to take his knife, <laughs> anger, so mad, throw it in the trash can, and, like, he's upset. But, man, like, what James is trying to do here for the believers is, like, put them through an almost spiritual TSA moment, right? Where he's saying, hey, what you're planning, what you're thinking about, if it doesn't match God's will, like, God will always take it from you. He'll confiscate it. This would be the TSA, right? Um, the reason why you go to security is because if you don't, you can have knives or whatever you have with you, right? And then what happens? You become a hazard to yourself and the people around you. Right. And so when God is like like giving us parameters through the Bible, through his word, what James is meaning is like, hey, your will will actually hurt you and everybody around you. That's why God's will is so much better. When you are doubling down. It's my way. No matter what happens, I will die on this hill. Like you're becoming hazardous to the people around you. Brandon was one million percent sure his knife was going through. And we all just looked at him. Some kids laughed at him. His wife was like shaking her head. And I was just like, hey, man, it happens sometimes. At least we're going to New York, right? But, but when we are that sure and confident, we lose sight of higher authority. In Brandon's case, it was TSA. In our case, it's always Jesus. Always Jesus. These believers in this text are boastful. They're prideful. They're hazardous. And they are losing sight of who God is, because they have a plan and a will. When we have a plan and we have a will, it simply means this. Like, in my will, in your will, we got to maneuver things, right? I got to maneuver things. I got to, like, make my own path. And if you get in my way, I got to knock you down, right? I make my own path. You make your own path for our own will. We become hurried and anxious. We become tired. And James said, hey, you're actually being arrogant with your life, which means functionally for us, when I'm doing my will, my plan, my thing, when you're doing your will, your thing, your plan, we don't have time for Bible study. We don't have time for a small group or for counseling or for date night or to play with our kids, right? Or to do anything of spiritual value. Why? Because we are so focused on our will, our will, our will, our will, our will. We forget the essentials of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus himself prayed, hey, not my will but your will be done. Our will is always off the rail. It always misses the mark. We need God's will. Here's what James tells him why you need God's will. He said, because first of all, you are <laughs> puny human beings who are frail and weak. And like, guess what? Your life is a mist. Our life is a mist. Like, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. He says, what is your life? It appears for a little time, then it vanishes. He says then, but you ought, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do and live, uh, we will live and do this or that. Hey, this is a really, really humbling thing for us to hear. 
um, in light of that verse, in light of our plan, our will, our news resolution, whatever it might be. Um, tomorrow is not answer to any of us. Like, tomorrow is the answer to anybody in the room. We get that? None of us can tell tomorrow, hey, come here now. Like, like God controls tomorrow. Like, tomorrow answers to the voice of God. Tomorrow is a gift from God, an obligation of God. He didn't owe us a future. He chose to gift us a future. When it comes to life and plans, thinking about tomorrow, literally tomorrow morning, you got to realize, man, like, we can't guarantee our own tomorrow. And, like, we can't be so prideful to forget tomorrow is a gift from God if we see it. It's an obligation of God. He didn't have to do anything. Like, do we, do we get that? He didn't have to, like, do, like, I, I plan, I pray to make it home tonight. That's, that's my plan. I want my plane to land in Knoxville in one piece with me on it, go home with my wife and my kids. But my reality is, hey, I just simply don't know. I don't. Which brings me what? Get in that plane to say, Father, in Jesus' name, would you please get us there safely? It, it makes you really sober of the fact, hey, I can't keep the plane in the air. Like, I'm really, really small in this matter. And that's what James wants them to see. Hey, you are really, really small in the big scheme of God's universe. Like, you've got plans, and you've been successful in life, and you, and you, because you've been successful in life, like, you've prospered, you think now somehow, like, you can save your own day, you can plan your own course, and you can't. He's saying, you don't know about tomorrow. It may not appear. And when it does appear, hey, tomorrow goes by so fast. Life is a vapor, a mist. Like, you know, I'm 34, I live over my life, I'm like, man, time is flying. Quickly. Like, time is, it's not, it's moving. It's, the vapor. Talk to your parents or grandparents, they'll tell you, hey, this, this goes by really quickly. He's saying, don't be prideful because it goes by so fast and because you don't know if tomorrow's coming for you. Tomorrow does not answer to any of us. It's a gift of God, not an obligation of God. He chooses to give us this gift of a future. He does not owe us one or have to give us one. He says then in verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Going back to our main, our main point this morning, we are at the mercy of God and dependent on him at all times. Every single second of your life and my life, we are at the mercy of God and dependent upon God. Every single second. Like legit every single second, we are at the mercy of God and are dependent upon him at all times. Chances are your heart, you wanted to keep beating, right? You drank water probably at some point in the last six months. I drank like twice probably, but right? Like, like, like you plan that you plan to like to live. But your heart can stop in a second. Or you can be healthy right now and tomorrow wake up like with a like terminal diagnosis. And James not trying to make us afraid or scared, but it's reality of again, hey. We're really, really small. And we just don't know. We can't control what happens tomorrow. And what James is doing, I think what the Holy Spirit is doing in this text is saying, hey, listen, you need me. 
In my personal life, I decided I need more church, not less church. I need more community. Like, I need, I need more of everything Jesus in my life. That's what I decided. Like, I needed more, not less. And God is saying, hey, you, you need me so desperately. And God's blessed them in a way there, in such a way that they have forgotten his hand, his mercy, and who he is. Maybe in our life we've been blessed to a place we, we kind of forget God at our job. God at school, God in our family, right? Like we, we somehow think we've arrived to, well, now I can just do my thing. Now I can control my own way. No, it's always him. You're at all times at the mercy of God and dependent upon God. We don't control anything in life. We are only stewards of the gift that God gives us through the grace of God for the glory of God. We are stewards of our bodies, of our time of our families, of our homes, of our cars, of our jobs, of our clothes, of everything. We are stewards of God over those things. He does not have lordship over those things. Only Jesus does. Verse 16 says this, it is, As it is, you boast about your arrogance, and such boasting is evil. For whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. He's basically saying, hey, like, you know you don't control the future. And saying you do or planning as if you do, like, you're, you're actually in sin because you're doing the wrong thing. You know the right thing to do is say, God, if you will. God, if you're merciful. God, if you're kind. God, if, if you will allow. He's saying, like, don't be silly, guys. He's saying, live like you know God is in control. Here's where for me, I kind of like want to just kind of begin to land on plane. Just talk heart to heart. For a minute, and just and just say this. And thinking about tomorrow, thinking about the future, thinking about our world, right? Like it's full of just anxiety. People are just anxious about everything. But I think partially because of our own doing. It's impossible to experience the full joy of God, the full love of God, and the full beauty of the church right now, today or your family, or your friends, or your house, or your job today when you're worried about tomorrow. It's impossible. You can't sing loud, and I'm not judging anybody, this is general. I can't come here and sing loud, right, if I'm thinking about 20 minutes from church is over. I'm not fully present here. I can't think about uh, I, can't, I can't enjoy just being in Iowa City for the week. I'm thinking about, man, I get at home, I gotta do this and that, and New York's coming up, and kids, and like, I'm already busy somewhere that I may not see. So even what James was saying is like, hey, like, be rooted and fully present and right now. Just practically speaking, how many moments do we miss because we're not fully present where we are right here and right now? And I'm preaching to myself first. I, I started like just going outside and like, I'm just going to go outside and like just, just watch the, the wind blow. Like watch the leaves because like, it becomes so novel, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's going to snow today because we're in Iowa City, right? We're like, whatever, right? Like, do you ever, like, just go out or just look up and, like, just watch it fall? And think about the beauty of God in that and all it takes for snow to actually fall, like, chemically and scientifically? And go, wow, God, like, we hate it, but, like, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> but we don't, we don't slow down enough to do that. 
Like, I'm like, man, I haven't lived life. I'm such in a hurry. Like, I lived in Knoxville for a long time. Like, man, like, I haven't seen all of Knoxville yet. I have my same routine, my same routine. Like, no, I'm going to go this way today. Why? I just want to experience the beauty of God out of my routine. Why? Because he's given me today as a gift to do that. So when we are not, like, fully present here, we're not thinking about right now, we're not thinking about um, today, and we're thinking about tomorrow, we can't really experience the fullness of God and the beauty of God for today. So our mind, our time is preoccupied with something different. So I want to answer some questions for us this morning as we get out of here. Based on this text, at first we're just like, well, man, this is kind of a little bit depressing. Like, it's like a gut point, but it's kind of depressing too. Like, well, tomorrow's not coming, man. It's kind of like, well, that's kind of down. Like, that kind of sucks. So naturally, the question would be like, should I live in fear? Natural question, right? Like, should I live in fear? And the answer is, God is not trying to corner us into living a life of fear, but in this text, he's humbling us into reverence of his divine control and reminding us, hey, we are totally dependent upon him. This text is not meant to make anybody in this room afraid of whether you're going to live or you're going to die. It's not the point of it. But it is to humble us to think about the gift of life God's gives and to say, God, actually, you are ultimate, I'm not. And to humbly reverence and accept and like declare, hey, Lord, I'm dependent upon you. Jesus, said, Jesus would say, uh, bless are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of God. Bless are the poor in spirit means blessed are those who know 1,000% they have nothing to bring to God except their need, their neediness. That's what he's saying. We have nothing to offer, but we shouldn't be afraid. We should know, hey, we are totally dependent upon God. I don't care how good of a driver you are, you can still get hit by another driver who's not as good as you. Every single day, I take my kids to school, and we pray together. I pray, Lord, protect, protect the school, <laughs> protect them. I understand that. Number one, I'm driving behind the wheel. I'm not in control of what happens to me. Number two, I realize, like, hey, my kids get out of this car, and again, I hope and pray and expect to a degree and plan on seeing my kids again at 3.30. But the reality is like, hey, I just can't control that. Right? So like the mystery of God is the be- part of the beauty of God. And when they come out of school, I immediately go, hey, God, thank you. Why? They didn't have to walk out of their school. For whatever reason, right? They didn't have to. Have to understand, like, God's not trying to make us afraid, but to see in everything, even in the small things, God, I'm dependent upon you for everything. So question number two, is it a plan, to, is it a sin to make plans or prepare for the future? No, it's not. See, that sounds kind of crazy, man. You just said don't plan for tomorrow. Here's what I'm trying to say. And what James is saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying through James in his text, there is a huge difference and planning that's based on being prepared in order to be a good steward, and contrast to planning based on ignorance and arrogance. That makes sense? They're planning out of their ignorance and out of their arrogance. Like, when we plan, we should make plans because, like, it's called just good stewardship of life. 
But James said, hey, you're not planning that way. You're planning out of your own arrogance. You're planning out of you think you can bring tomorrow about and you can't. So it's no sin to make plans, but make sure it's from a mindset of stewardship and dependence upon God. Not, I'm going to be great, so here's my game plan. These people are business people in this text, and they want to control life. Um, they fail to realize God's control, how life is temporary, how we fade away really quickly. Um, planning and investing aren't wrong, but arrogant self-confidence and boasting are. They have arrogant self-confidence, confident boasting, where they believe it's all them. Which then makes them into a rush. They're in a hurry. Got to get to tomorrow. Got to get to that place why? because we can trade and make money. We can like do our thing. So we got to hurry up and get there, right? Because if we don't, lose opportunity. Don't we live that way sometimes? I don't get there first. I don't apply for the job right on time. If I don't, you know, uh, network with these right people, like I'm going to miss the opportunity. It causes a hurry and a panic within us. And they're trying to make money. They're business people. Makes sense to me. But he's saying, you don't control what tomorrow brings. So it's a funny uh, contrast to our culture. We live in a culture that is driven by capitalism. Not making a political statement. I'm not saying there should be a different social contract. I'm just saying what we all know to be true, right? We, we go to work to make money. We live our life. We're driven by capitalism. The Fed rate interest rates because they're driven by capitalism, right? And so in a capitalistic culture, it means we naturally run harder, run faster, even though we're tired, we're burned out. We don't see many results. Because of the culture we live in, we have to push and run at culture's pace. Why? We have to make a living, correct? So that would be the case. If we took an assessment of this room today, this is a confidential assessment of this room, how many of us would say, hey, I'm spread way too thin? And not with bad things. It was trying to keep up, right, with the pace of life. It's trying to keep up. But, in, but, but it's spreading us way too thin. I think God would ask, hey, what can you get off your plate? Give an assessment, are you spread too thin? And here's what I'm not asking or saying. I'm not asking you or me, are you handling the pressure well? Many of us are. And asking, hey, are you smart enough or strong enough to, to make it through this storm? Not saying, hey, in your life, are you dropping the eight ball somewhere? Are you dropping the ball somewhere? Are you behind the eight ball somewhere? No. Not asking, hey, in your life, are you staying, keeping your head above water? That's not the question or the thought. It is, how do we shape our lives in such a way we can be present with God ourselves, and other people. And even though we are spread ourselves thin with good things, do we actually have time to rest, be present with God, ourselves, and the people around us? Practical question, right? At missional family, at what point do you start checking your watch in the time? Might be a sign, hey, you are probably spread way too thin. You don't have the space be present with yourself, God, and other people. 
I'm not asking how do you become available to do more things. I'm not saying remove stuff off your plate to, to do more stuff. But actually slow down and be present. Jesus was never in a hurry. Everything Jesus did was intentional. Every single thing. Jesus Sabbath. Jesus played. Like he lived life without a rush, without panic, because he understood one, who he was, and two, like my future's in God's hands. Jesus had no, he felt no pressure to be hurried in a rush. But in a culture like ours, that's always driven by go further, go further, go further, go faster, go farther, right? Go faster, go further. Um, like, we're always pushed that way. So the last question I'm going to ask, I think that I would ask them if I was in James times, these rich believers who have prospered in life, these business people, ask the question, um, hey, how much money is enough money? How big of a house is enough house? What kind of car is enough of a car? What level of career advancement is enough? How much fill in the blank is enough? I find in my life personally where I'm spread too thin, where I am tired, where I'm exhausted because I'm chasing all the wrong things. And I believe the culture's lie of I need bigger and better and shinier and newer. So I'll spend my life running and hustling and doing and doing and doing to get there and to get there. And the question for myself is, hey, at what point enough is, is enough enough, bro? At what point do you say, God, like, you bless me and, like, I, I'm content with where I'm at? They're not content in this text. They, they want more and 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 more. Need a better paying job. Why? Need more vacation time. Why? Need a more flexible environment. Why? Maybe we fed ourselves way too thin. Doing what they've done in this text. Chasing all the wrong things. If we're more present with tomorrow, chasing tomorrow, we cannot fully experience the joy of God if I were you in your seat, I'd rebut back to myself. Say, well, preacher, Dominique, you don't know my tomorrow. So who are you to speak into my life? Well, great, great question. I don't, I don't know if you don't know tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen with you tomorrow. You might be saying, hey, man, you can't see my kids tomorrow or next week at the doctor's appointment. You won't be there. Hey, man, you can't, you can't see uh, the counseling session I have. Uh, and two is coming up. Hey, man, you, you can't see um, the pain and heart I'm going to experience tomorrow, whatever tomorrow might be, right? Hey, man, you can't see my life tomorrow. So, so how dare you tell me how to live my life based on tomorrow? Because you won't be there in the pressure, in the midst of my, what I'm going through in life. That, that, that's a great question. But the Holy Spirit, I think, is asking us this morning is, what if what you're worried about doesn't ever happen. What if tomorrow never comes? I ask myself that every single day. Am I having a pillow at night? God, thank you so much, man, for this day. 
And I ask myself, Dominique, for the glory of God, <laughs> the good of your family, and the good of your own soul, if you didn't wake up tomorrow morning, would you be okay with letting today be your last day based on how you live? In every capacity, who I talked to, where I went, was I in a rush, right? Like, what I ate, what I present my kids, and my wife, like, how, how, like, did you live a full life today? Ask myself. Tomorrow's not promised that James is going to tell them. Big point of the sermon this morning is you are always, I am always dependent upon God for everything. Maybe you're not a believer in the room. You say you're not a follower of Christ. It's a real question I want to ask you. Seriously, again, what if tomorrow never comes? What if you can't pick Jesus next week? What if you can't make a decision for something later on? What if it never comes? Like, where are you with Jesus? In the middle of that communion, we'll see a beautiful picture of bread that's broken and grape juice and wine on the table, and they point to the most important thing we could all do with our today, acknowledge Christ as Savior and Lord, that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. Willingly. Jesus actually knew his tomorrow. He knew it was the cross, and he took it for you and me. And the broken bread, it screams to us, hey, Christ's body was broken for you, literally ripped to shreds. He was beat, the Bible would say, unrecognizable. For you, for me. The juice and wine would represent Christ's blood being poured out to cleanse us from our sin and make us right with God the Father. Ask the question Has everybody in this room put their faith in Jesus? As of today, if you haven't, no scare tactics, but why not choose today? Because you don't know if you'll get tomorrow. And you say communion, maybe you need to get saved today. Like come holler at me or Scott or one people in the room, like we'd love to like walk you through that. How do you confess your sin and give your life to Jesus? And if you don't believe in the room, I pray you take communion and you would sing crazy loud and you would be crazy hyped for missional family, crazy hyped for lunch. And when you get there, thank him. Hey, God, I left church. I made it to lunch. Thank you. Why? It didn't have to happen. Hey, God, I'm missional family now. Thank you. Why? It didn't have to happen. Hey, God, I got home tonight. Thank you. Why? Because it did not have to happen. That's what James is saying. So may we live with joy and excitement and peace and Sabbath. And like we, Jesus, I can give you life and life more abundantly, not depression in life, not anxiety. I've come to give you real life. May we experience that real life by simply acknowledging God, you're in control. And every second of my life you've given me is a gift I'm going to celebrate and be grateful for. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, man. Like, thank you. <laughs> thank you, 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 Lord. Thank you. My heart could have stopped while I was preaching, but it didn't. Thank you. Like, Lord, thank you. I pray, Father, give us a heart of gratitude 
and joy and thankfulness because tomorrow is not something we can give our, our own selves. So, Father, while today is called today, help us to love and live and experience and rejoice like Jesus would. For the glory of God and for the good of our own heart and soul, bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.